and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Jim. <laughs> uh, Kathy is off today, so uh, we had the second best waffle come on and uh, is going to join us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about some aspects of printing miniatures, because uh, uh, Jim also does uh, 3D printing of stuff, also painting miniatures, and talk about oil painting of miniatures. Um, I do have some stuff I want to show, so when we go to the painting section and everything, I'm going to show off some things that I printed recently, what I'm going to be working on, and then we will switch over to the main cam and put it directly um, on uh, uh, Jim's work, so he can show you what he's doing, and he can do some better techniques and everything, but for that time, let's go and get the business out of the way. Uh, we want to thank Turbo Dork, and if you're not in here, you're missing out, because we're giving away a $50 gift certificate to Turbo Dork tonight. Um and we want to thank them. Make sure you go check them out. If you like metallic paints and you like color shifting paints, you go to those boys and get what you can. We want to thank Midnight Heroes uh, for sponsoring. Um, you should be seen. I know that they will be supposedly at ReaperCon and showing off their new miniature game, uh, plus all their miniatures and their paints. Uh, you can go check them out. Uh, there is a discount code that you can get uh, using more than dice, and you can get 10% off. Uh, we want to thank Muse on Minis. Uh, for hosting our channel and getting everything done um, and letting us uh, bring all this out to the masses. Also, if you like anything in their store, you can use More Than Dice also and get a discount. Um, we want to thank Parabella War Games for bringing out the awesome Conquest game and the new edition of First Blood, uh, which will be coming out pretty soon. Um, and, uh, or hopefully soon. Um, and you can try, try that out, the skirmish version, instead of the rank and flank, which is, uh, some people prefer that. Um, so check them out. And then, who did I miss? Uh, Mini Masterworks. Uh, don't forget, you can also go to them and check out and get the cool stuff from them, uh, all the things. And, of course, the ever-popular and awesome paint shaker that, like, all of us are using now. Um, and if you go and get that, uh, make sure you use it, uh, uh, I think it's like more than dice MMW10, I think is what it is. And that I'll is our code. Post it. Yeah. Yeah. More than dice MMW10. You can get 10% off your order. And uh, I did uh, the um, Midnight Heroes, they give us, they give you a 15%. And actually, right now, uh, Midnight Heroes is having an extra 25 or 30%. And you can, you can combine those codes. So you can get like 30 to 40% off anything you buy off their store right now. I think it's 30, 35% off. Uh, so. Do it. That yeah. Do it. You can get some cool little chibis and then great little paints um, coming out. Um, other than that, I think I got everybody, didn't I? You got them. I got them all. So, John, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, well, I didn't get up because we didn't have much of a break. So I'm just going to drink my... Uh... This this fun little liquor they gave in my dice bag, the uh, the the Crown Royal Regal Apple. Oh, that's uh, that's nice of them to give you a, a liquor with your dice bag. Yeah, I know. I mean, they need a nice dice bag. They need a little liquor with it. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. I don't like it as much as a lot of the lighter stuff, but uh, it's still pretty good. Nice, Jim. What are you drinking tonight? Blackberry ginger ale and rum with oh. a little ice. Oh wow! Okay, and a that sounds good. <laughs> I am doing the good old Remy Martin XO cognac tonight uh, to celebrate my birthday. I, I drink that every Sunday, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, just remind everyone, Gonzo's birthday was Friday, and then today is Jim's birthday. Today is Jim's birthday. Give him a big old shout out. Say happy birthday. 
I already sang happy birthday to myself, Marilyn Monroe style. Very creepy, but very fun. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll spare you me singing anything because no one deserves that. Um, do we have any shout outs this week? God, I saw a lot of thing, a lot of people pass, but I mean, another was like Tim outside of my... Slate. Uh, he was a comic book author. Uh, author Tim or... Sale. Sale, sorry, Tim Sale. Uh, yeah. Uh, comic book. Uh, Artist. He was a lot of Batman stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. It wasn't like in my oeuvre of stuff, but I saw that. It was sad. Uh, I don't think I saw anything else, but let's be honest, it's been a weird couple weeks here. It has been. It has been quite a one. There's a voice actor. Yeah, there was some... Uh... Oh, also, um, God, who was it? Someone sent it in our chat. That character actor who passed, who's done just a ton of stuff. Uh... Damn it, Gonzo, you sent it, I'm pretty sure. Why don't you remember it? Oh. Uh, Philip Baker Hall. Yes. Uh, he's one of those where you recognize him. He's been in a shit ton of things. So. Yeah, it's just no face to the to the voice because you've heard the voice so much you don't know the face yeah. type thing. Um, I think that was it. Um, guys, we really appreciate you coming on and listening and using all these discount codes. We get a, we get a, I get an email saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so's use your discount code here. It's really nice to see that. Cause uh, you know us, we're always about wanting to support our local people and anybody, mm-hmm. you know, all our smaller companies and everybody. Um, a lot of these companies are coming to warfare weekend, by the way. So you can come and pick some up some of their products in person. Um, and so you can kind of get all that cool stuff going. Um, Please take care of yourself. Please make sure that you're keeping yourself hydrated, uh, especially now that summer is here and it is extremely hot around a lot of places. Um, make sure you're just taking care of yourself. We miss you. We want to see you again. Um, we want to see you, you know, at the conventions. We want to see you all the time. I mean, of course, HugCon 2023. Uh, we want to see you there also. So make sure you take care of yourself. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. That's good. That's really good stuff. All right. Paint section. So um, I wanted to talk about something before we get, you know, into gym stuff. I wanted to talk about some stuff. So I'm painting up this altar you know it looks kind of weird put it on this thing but i put it on here so i'm gonna do a dry brushing on it i just 3d printed this altar uh like yesterday and got it ready because i was gonna dry brush it up while, I'm, while we're doing the stream um because i'm gonna be using this in my rpg that i'm gonna be doing at warfare weekend um in the game you have a d6 that's called the bad die that is supposed to be doing bad things to you when you roll it and, um, no, Jim's there. Don't worry about it. He's there. Um, and so, um, I was, they tell you, like, put the bad die on an altar or on something to give it, you know, like some of that, <coughs> you know, mystique. Mystique behind it. So I figured I'd paint up this little altar I found on, uh, Thingiverse. But this, uh, last, I decided to do, I was digging through my 3D printed files and I'm like, I'm still testing out the 6K printer. And I'm like, 
I wanted to print out some more stuff because I've been testing out the difference between the 6K and my old, you know, less than 4K type printer. And I have been flabbergasted at the detail my 6K has been doing compared to my 4K. Um, this is a Trent Monster uh, from a Patreon. I can't remember which, which Patreon I got it from. I'm not gluing the legs together because it would be too hard to paint. But this thing is... I've done two different test prints and compared the print from my old printer to this printer. Mm-hmm. And this printer just is outshining them beyond belief. I mean... And it looks this, good. Oh, it is super solid. Everything's crisp and clean. I got a little bit of cleanup from like small little things that I have to do. Um, but I mean, the detail is a whole lot better on this than anything I've ever seen. I mean, you can't... There's no layer lines. There's no nothing... The only time you can really tell that it's a 3D print is because you've seen it. And, you know, you've got these holes where everything's been done and such. Uh, supposedly, this is supposed to go on, like, a 100-millimeter base. But I don't think I'm going to put him on a base. I think I'm going to put him on, a, like, a plinth or something. I mean, he's a good, solid model. I mean, he's he's beefy type thing. But because um, I, I did that model, and then I redid this model. You know, I showed this one last week. I redid this one, and the detail that came out on this one compared to the one that I did previously, it's just night and day. It's, it's outrageous how big that is. So, now, I didn't forget Jim because uh, it's his birthday. He gets the main camera today. While I work on stuff, he's going to be working on a lot of stuff. And uh, he's going to take a model from nothing to Golden Demon by the time we're done with the show. You I think mean, I'm he already lying? got that model from nothing to where it's at in the time we've been on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Only one? Oh, there we go. <laughs> There's the gym I know. <laughs> um, I'll take a model from Zero to Golden Demon in how many years you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, I started... Um, Jim and I started talking back when, what... Uh, we got started talking about Song of Ice and Fire miniatures, I think is what it was, when you and I started talking about things. And, of course, you know, we friends through, you know, of course, being the second best Wapple and everything. And you and I started talking about getting things done. And uh, one of the times that we got together, I was doing a charity stream, a 24-hour charity stream. And you came on and painted on with me at, like, you know, I think it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning type thing which was really cool because you took a model that was pretty much nothing and had it golden demon done and like no time at all and i was really impressed with that and some people that were watching were like fuck and i'm like yeah that's that's kind of how jim is Um, i mean like painting a whole unit of this in one stream yeah which is typical i'll be honest you you remind me another one of my painting buddies dave taylor who can also do amazing things like that super quick oh yeah Magnets are your friend. Magnets are your friend. But how do they work? <laughs> so, and then I started watching your stuff. And you're one of my favorite painters because uh, I don't know who started it. I don't know if I started it or whatever. But I called you the Bob Ross of miniature painting. And uh, someone said, well, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. And I'm like, one, you have a very nice, calm, 
demeanor when you talk and it's all, you know, chill. And you don't get into all the hubbub of, you know, look at all my stuff. And, you know, you're like loud and boisterous and everything. You're just pretty much, let's just, you know, let's paint type thing. And so I was cracking up because someone was like, did you see what work he did? And I was like, I try to. And then they, I think it was uh, your one of your SOL that you did. Uh, or uh, OSL model you did. And I can't remember which one it was, but it was like, unbelievably, I was like, holy fuck. And, and this was back before you were doing the oils. You were just doing normal, uh, normal acrylics. And so I was like, this is amazing on the work that you do. So you originally didn't start streaming on twitch did you no i only started on twitch well you remember the whole thing in january 2020 december 2019 the whole COPPA legislation thing people you know cutting out their youtube channel literally deleting their entire channels that they spent years working on uh-huh. because of not wanting to be fined forty-two thousand dollars a video remember those days oh yeah. yes well then they that then the uh they the virus that not shall not be named came along and all of a sudden YouTube started shutting down live streams as they started. So I was literally painting something. It was a Viking with a shield. Another one was a horse like this and it happened to other people too. Five minutes in it said, this violates community standards and they shut down your stream. Now they've been doing that with videos, but there you can contest it. Maybe a day or two later they say, oh, sorry, our bad, your video is back. But a live stream, it's a little bit less conducive to live streaming when they shut it down five minutes in. So I thought about adding Twitch to YouTube. Then I said, well, now it's going to be Twitch. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, Kathy had been streaming for at least two years, maybe two and a half by then. So she already was pretty well versed in it. So it wasn't something that I was just, I got no clue how this works. I had also been watching Harris Heller and Nick Nimmin and all those guys to kind of become aware of what the twitch landscape was and i asked a lot of folks they were they were super nice and then i just started streaming on twitch it was uh, mid-march because of course adepticon also got canceled and all of our events got canceled yep and we said this is less conducive to making money so we had to find another way instantly and i became a twitch streamer overnight and it's been that way for i think i've been streaming 26 months something like that now on Twitch. And it's pretty wild because I enjoy it. It's so much better than YouTube because YouTube is very territorial. Twitch mm-hmm. is not, right? You share the love. I mean, Drax, Steep Tea, Thunderdome, all the folks that helped me when I first started, when I was nobody on Twitch, right? That really helped because they would raid me. And now it's, it's kind of neat because two years later, I can raid people that are brand new and all of a sudden they go to instant affiliate status because suddenly they got a dozen new followers just from one raid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen on YouTube. I mean, no. it's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> they will try and take those viewers from you. So that was, that was a really neat thing about Twitch. And my average view time on YouTube is an incredibly long 12 minutes. That's like absurdly long. That's like longer than the average YouTube video. On Twitch, my average view time is five, six hours. 
which means I can actually then do something like that unit or something like this, because this is about a five, six hour stream, and there will be people that are there from primer to this. They'll be there the entire way through, which is really nice because they're actually, they're getting a real lesson because they can ask me questions. It's mm -hmm. like a live class. And what's really cool about Twitch is all of a sudden, everybody else started to stream with the oils, but from all over the world. So now in my stream just last night, I know there's the Germans and I'll ask them, when someone asks a question about a paint brand, I'll say, okay, you know, Bina, Doji, you know about Old Holland, you know about Schminky, is it Norma or Mercina they should get? Or where can they get Gamlin paints? overseas so these uh they actually have like a gear stecker somewhere it's an art store that you can get these in germany so it, it's really become an international kind of a thing because folks in australia they'll try things and they say hey jim have you ever tried this those interference paints i showed you mm -hmm. well you can get these in the u.s they're really expensive here outside the u.s if you can get them they're insanely expensive until someone said, hey, Jim, did you realize those are just powders? You can get the interference powders and literally make anything into an interference color. And I said, wait a minute. Does that mean we could also take, oh, something like this, fluorescent powder from Green Stuff World, mix it with linseed oil, and have fluorescent oil paint? Sure as hell, you can do this, which means that everybody in the world can now have fluorescent oil paint instead of spending a whole bunch of money and only being able to get this in the U.S. They literally do not ship outside the U.S. There's many companies that make fluorescent pigment powders. None of this happens without the Twitch stream. None of this happens. It, it, basically, YouTube and everything I was doing was literally in a vacuum. It was my own kind of little universe. All of a sudden, I was uh, out in the multiverse, right? <laughs> yeah. These colors, these Gamwin Colors. I'd never heard of these before until someone said, hey, Jim, have you ever tried the radiant colors? I'm like, radiant what? What are these nuclear colors? What's going on? He says, no, you should try them. There's nine of them, and they do some really interesting things. And sure enough, we tried these things, and we just call it pixie dust, which might actually be alkids, but um, these have a weird special property to them, not super expensive. Never would have known about this if it wasn't for the Twitch stream. Also wouldn't be doing all this 3D printing stuff were it not for the stream. Also wouldn't have 3D printed basing bits. I didn't even realize they had these things until someone said, hey, Jim, have you ever tried any of the Naked Epic basing bits? I'm like, what? So you know, I didn't know stuff, about them, but it darn it makes sense, doesn't it? They make all sorts of other bits. Why not basing bits? Basing bits. I mean, here's uh, this is a new set from Naked Epic. So these are more like the... Uh, what would you say, almost uh, Grand Canyon-style rocks, but I want to do uh, Eowyn in the Glittering Caves diorama. And when I saw these, they looked an awful lot like the rock. It's a deleted scene. They never actually made that scene. It's where she's fighting the Urukai, uh, defending the civilians, basically, in the Glittering mm -hmm. Caves. And I wanted to do that diorama. Well, now I can because I have these rocks. Instead and of making just... the rocks from whatever weird material you found. Instead of making the rocks from whatever weird material, and of course we've got things like, well, even this one that I showed earlier. So that's, uh, I've got about 20 different versions of these things, and they're really fantastic because I can, I can make them bigger. That's the thing. Let's say I want to, well, this is a 72 mil. I've done much smaller 28 mil versions of this same basing bit. 
that's the cool thing is it can be sized to whatever the heck size you need it to be. Yeah. Which is just absolutely sensational. And of course, all of this, uh, you know, let me grab another one that's got some of this extra stuff. So all of these little things here, that's from Loot Studios, Make It Epic. Make It Epic, I think, oh yeah, so is that one. And then even on this, all of these uh, juniper trees right here, instead of me trying to find twigs around outside, well, all I have to do is just print these out, literally any size that I want, I've got instant trees for bases. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, and they're very rugged. Here's another example here. I mean, I could try and sculpt these somehow, or I could just print those out, and in a few seconds, like this one here, I think it took me all of about three minutes to base this figure. Make it epic tree, make it epic tree, bulletin, bold cork, stick a dark sword figure on there, done. Ready to go. That would have taken a heck of a lot longer in the old days of like, I don't know, 11 months ago, before I had this stuff. <laughs> would have been insane. Now it's just, and they make fir trees. They're really like this tall, and of course, you can make them as big or as small as you want. Just another set right here. This is some pirate theme stuff that I want for my Corsairs of Umbar. I mean, I'm already 3D printing the miniatures. Why not 3D print the basing bits as well? It's just incredibly helpful. And just, uh, yeah, here's another one of those sconces. So this is a smaller version right there. For, for this guy, and and uh, now this is not a 3D printed bit. I got another one for you here. Ah, here we go. So this is fantastic, right? I love these. Green Step World sells them. Well, they're resin bits. There's only one of these in the set. If I ever want another one of these, I have to buy another set. If this was 3D printed, I could make infinite amounts at infinite size. Mm-hmm. And that's this is what kind of made me aware of just how powerful 3D printing basing bits could be, is the fact that I can just make them any size, any amount that I need. This, okay, that base is a bunch of plastic gears. Figure itself is from uh, Monster Mini Mayhem, by the way. Love their stuff, too. Or I could print out a bunch of gears. Instead of buying a bunch of plastic gear, I could print them out any size that I need and not have any mold lines on them. That's, well... Yeah, don't get me started on mold lines. <laughs> and 3D printing, which you never ever have to worry about with 3D printing, of course, and that saves a ton of time. I yeah, the only thing you really got to worry about is like whenever you, if a support breaks off and it makes a divot or, you know, something like that nature, and you have to kind of fill it in. But mold lines for- don't exist. And fortunately, usually, where's your supports going to be? It's going to be in the, the nether regions of the horse. Places where you're probably not going to see it anyway. Correct. Instead of, oh, I don't know, running right down the middle of his face. And, of yep. course, hands always have mold lines running right through them. And, well, that, that Kieran that I was showing earlier, you can bet, not only would there be mold lines running through all this tiny texture, there would also be seams because mm-hmm. I think the only piece I had to stick on here was the tail. And, of course, they, and even assembling these 3D printed stuff it's designed to just be literally plug it in there and it's done instead of oh here's the warped piece of resin with the other misshapen pieces of resin that you all have to stick together and pray that they're not too warped or you could just print this out and be done with it and there's a nice base that the base came with it i didn't have to make that base 
and he just fit right on the base and it's all designed even this thing is designed to give him a little extra structure right there it's just it's amazing what you can do with it just such a huge time saver and yes i do this for a living time is money but how much time do you guys get to paint during the week to, to get all of those conquest armies painted <laughs> you need to paint just as fast as i do because you just don't get the, the chance to paint as often saving time is uh, just as important for you as it is for me yeah absolutely i just i was hoping those conquest figures would get here i just i hope they're not lost in international shipping somewhere because, uh, what are you getting uh, in I think they had sent some Hundred Kingdom stuff, and then some of the, I think it's the orcs, right? Because uh, some orcs on Pterodons, I think they might have sent. I was even hoping that they might send, like, the new Cataphracts, and, uh, oh gosh, what's the newest one? Uh, the Old newest Dominion. Faction. Old Dominion, yeah. I was hoping they would send some of that. The idea was to paint it on stream, just like the Song of Ice and Fire stuff and everything yeah. else. And, and do basing videos, uh because their stuff is more like Song of Ice and Fire, right? The movement tray has circular cutouts. Yep. So that you can be rank and flank or skirmish. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was the other thing I was looking forward to, was maybe also being able to show people how to, well, you know, do this style of basing, but with the conquest figs, with some kind of a really appropriate texture roller, something like that. Or again, like the other stuff, or those gray joys where I want to basically have them like they'll walk into water. I mean, just so many possibilities for movement trays and a really strong theme, especially now with 3D printed bits that I could also put on those conquest trays. So I, I thought so when I saw them at a, at Adepticon. I'm like, I think they, I think they're using movement trays. And then, you know, if you don't want to do that, then you just uh, take them off of that, and they're now a, it's a skirmish game. Yep, they're redoing their uh, skirmish rules right now. They're in the beta testing of the new First Blood rules, um, which a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, because, I mean, sometimes you just don't want to have all the regimental, you know, battle-type stuff. You just want to do some quick, you know. And it's not even quick because, I mean, you're still playing a game. But it's it's nice to it's nice to go between them, you know what I'm saying? It, make, it makes the game pretty versatile. Oh, I want to play regimental? Okay, let's play regimental. Next week, hey, I just want to do a little skirmish battle. Okay, we can do a skirmish battle. If all you got time for, or the space, is a skirmish, you do that. And uh, well, actually, it also helps for maybe like a campaign type of a thing. Oh, yeah. there's. I believe there's a story pack that's going to be going where you start off as skirmishing and then work up into uh, you know, full regimental battles. I mean, geez, Gettysburg started as there were some guys going through town looking for shoes, literally. And the next thing you know, hundred and some thousand guys end up all getting together because somebody was looking for shoes. And that's kind of <laughs> how battles can go sometimes. But yeah, there's they've got a lot of cool stuff, and their models are amazing too. They're nice, good sized, chunky figures, and really Would good detail. Would you say they're bigger than Song of Ice and Fire? Because I keep oh, saying yeah. that. Okay, so they're even bigger. So Song, what you'd say is 35 and Conquest is 40? Um, give me a second and I can tell you. I don't have my tool on me. Because I've never actually had a Conquest this is their, in my hand. Oh, you can't see it on screen. So I don't have anything to compare it with. But definitely... Grab a human-sized model, see how tall it is. 
Well, I've got the Warcaster model compared to it, and it's about half the size. <laughs> they're they're good size. They're they're big size models. So I was looking forward to it because I thought, you know, obviously something that large would really show up well on stream. Oh yeah, it will. And I've, I I've painted really, a few of them. I, I was looking forward to painting some of those on stream. I just I hope that they eventually get here. I guess they must have sent them from Greece or something. And they ship everything was... from Greece right now because um, they're still they're still shipping out of Greece because they haven't finished or finalized their deal with Asmodee to do their North American shipping. Ah, uh, because I think I want to say they might have shipped them uh, maybe the second week of April because Adepticon was last. Oh, you week should of... have them by now. Yeah, that's yeah. a mighty long time. Yeah, do you have like the tracking? They sent me an email with the tracking, but every time I clicked on it, it said data unavailable, or it just booted me out. I would contact them. Yeah. Contact them. Because you, you should have that stuff by now. Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was really looking forward to those, and it got to be longer and longer and longer, and I thought, ah. Yeah, you should have Yeah, like for work, we sent something to Spain. It got held up. And we've received it back in the office, and it was sent after they sent your models. So I would, ex yeah, I would expect that you should have them now. Yeah, you should. You should probably contact them. I think. Yeah, I'll just I'll have to do that because uh, it was a bummer too. Because there was I, I don't know if they were maybe the starter boxes, but it wasn't just you know like one little unit. I think they were they were trying to give me a little bit of a sample of stuff to work from. Oh yeah. Because I was wanting to do like a hardcore tutorials and also do the streaming stuff. So, yeah, I guess I'll just have to write them and say, uh, guys, sorry, they're not here yet. Yeah, I would I would check with them and find out where they're at because that should have got to you by now. There's All no right. reason why that shouldn't have. Yeah. It, it just got to be longer and longer. And I'm like, oh, man, that's uh, there, there's got to be something going on here. Yeah, international shipping is slow. It's not that, that slow. slow. No, no, there's no way that... <laughs> Uh, I've I've received product to them from them, and it only took like a couple of weeks. Okay, because I just remember back in the day there was a few countries kind of on the international, maybe don't want to ship to list, and I know Greece was on one of them. Now I don't know if that was back in the days of you know, all of the chaos in the mid two thousands or whatever, and maybe it's a little bit better now. Now you should be fine. Because I thought they were based out of Spain. No, they were I based out of Greece. I when I talked to uh, talked to them recently, or not recently, um, back at Adepticon, I was talking to them about the shipping. I was like, you know, because they said they're doing going to be doing it through Asmodee uh, pretty soon because it'll be their North American group. Uh, but he told me that it's actually almost pretty much cheaper to ship through ship from Greece than it is to ship straight from the United States. Because of how he's at a store, everything and all that type of stuff, and I go, well, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hope that they they do really well because, uh, of course, now I see every time Instagram is up, I see something from them, a new release for them, and I was just I keep wondering, okay, is that stuff ever gonna get here? But I don't think it ever is. Those packages must be gone somewhere. Oh yeah, I I would give them, I would send them an email and say, hey, what's up? Uh, y'all were supposed to send this. Here it is, and I don't have it. Okay, because I I got the I know scale seventy five. They sent me a set of their their oil paints and stuff, mm -hmm. and that process was started after 
the conquest was. So, uh, and that also came from Spain too. So I was yeah. like, oh man, what's going on here? I'd contact him. It could have got lost or um, held up, but I would definitely check, especially if you can't check your tracking and see what they say. Cause it could have been whatever. You never know with tracking nowadays. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. something from China right now. And, and I thought, well, maybe it might have shown up while I was gone. But then I realized, no, it, that was middle of May. So yeah. when I wasn't here, so as of about May 10th or 11th, there was someone here 24 hours a day for receiving packages. And it sounds like it should have been here already by mid-May. Oh, yeah. If they had, if they had shipped it out the first week of April. Oh, yeah. Easily. Okay. Uh, well, it's... Thanks, thanks. That kind of helps because now I know, yeah, something definitely went awry and it wasn't just, you know, somebody took it off the porch or something. So, Jim, is that all freehand you're doing there? Uh, yeah, this is actually, it's a pattern that I've been doing since the earliest days of the Harad stuff. I, okay, you can see it on uh, on him right there. And then this was one that we did on stream here. So just a uh, I looked up some different patterns, some freehand patterns. Uh, oh, gosh, I wish I could show you some of my... Uh, I might bring out some of my Candish stuff because it has even crazier patterns because it's one army, three color schemes. It's called the We Three Kings because it's uh, basically all tribal-based. So mm-hmm. let me see if I can find uh, some of my... Uh, let's see if I can get here. Oh, here's some. Here's some. So this was one of the color schemes. There was this sort of a purple, and obviously the eye of Sauron is always going to be part of every scheme. And of course, what we did, uh, this is actually uh, a plastic figure from, oh, I have to get Fireforged. Yeah, it's their, their Mongol cavalry, like a historical figure. So no sooner did I start getting some of these plastic kits than everybody and their dog started printing all the things that I needed, like Candish stuff. So Chariot right here. This is from Medbury. Print up the two horses chariots in one two three pieces there's the rider there's a banner and there's six different banners five different horses two different chariots instead of the ancient gw i see you shaking your head there you know what those (laughs) those old nasty chariots were like Uh, and now i can just print these things up pretty much just with the bandit just as many as i i possibly could need let me see if i can find that out of there i got stuff all over ah here they are here we go Here's another color scheme. So that's another, that, that's the second theme. And then here's the third theme. So each one has its own kind of iconography and freehand. And even the horses are different colors from each tribe, if you want to call it that. So this has been really fun. And so it, oh, that's awesome. He did horsemen, he did infantry, he did all the stuff. So yeah, I, I could have saved myself the bother of getting these i mean they were really cheap and they're really nice and they're very poseable but now i can just print up just as many of these buggers as i could possibly want and it's handy because uh the candace stuff you need a lot of these guys typical army might have 10 of these chariots can you imagine a being able to afford 10 metal chariots and b being insane enough to try to assemble those 10 chariots all in metal you're talking to the guy who did 10 drop pods in one day, so I would do it, but uh-huh. I mean, it's so oh, crazy. Gosh. Yeah, that was just, oof, man, that was, that was. Are these, uh, are these for somebody or are these just for yourself? 
Uh, this is part of my overarching goal of basically making one of every army in Middle-earth, like even the legendary legions. The idea is I wanted to do battle reports. Well, we were talking about the meta earlier where everybody makes not just the same type of armies, but literally the same characters or units in every single army. It's like a mm -hmm. carbon copy. What I wanted to do is use the War of the Ring board game as a campaign manager. So I don't get to choose the armies. I don't get to choose the time or the place. It could be unbalanced. One army could be twice the size of the other one. And much like Song of Ice and Fire, where you have all that nifty off-board action, guess what? The, the War of the Ring board game has all those special action cards that would impact the game itself. So it would be like the Witch King is not there at the battle, but he's providing some kind of leadership points that might mean extra might points. It might mean some rerolls, something that even though maybe his force is outnumbered, or say you're you're playing one of the good side, well, you could go into siege mode. Because what's cool about that War of the Ring board game is that neither side is at war. Not even Mordor is at war when it begins. And you could be sitting there as the evil player, right outside the gates of Edoras, looking to knock him down, but Sauron, all he cares about is the stupid ring. So he's off looking for hobbits. And you literally have no action dice to do this, to kind of do the coup de grace. Meanwhile, the, the good guys are throwing some more forces in there while Sauron is fooling around with that stupid ring. Or they're looking for that. And if a character dies, he's gone. So what happens in a lot of games is the first thing people do is they take their hero on a horse, stick him right in the middle of the table to kill a bunch of stuff. Well, if that hero dies in this campaign, he's just dead. He's not like Gandalf. He's not Gandalf the gray, the white, the pink, the purple, the polka dot. He doesn't keep coming back. He's gone. That's it. And I thought that could be a really fun way to stay away from the meta, make it way more interesting. And because I think you've tried playing map-based campaigns. It's like Risk. Everybody goes for those little land bridges in Australia and whatever, mm -hmm. or Alaska. And every campaign plays out that way. This basically ensures that's not going to happen because I literally have no control over when a certain side might even be going to war. So, I mean, literally, all these, the Easterlings could be marching on Erebor, and Erebor is not even at war, so they can't even muster troops. But then all of a sudden, you get some kind of a special action card, or Gandalf shows up, and they immediately muster. So it, it puts a lot more mystery back into it instead of, okay, this is so obvious. Why do we even bother continuing this campaign after two rounds? Because you have no idea what's going to happen from one that's, round to the next. That's sort of the lost art from the old, uh, let's say, story play to the new pickup games in a store. Pickup games in a store are all about making it fair for both sides. And back in the day, we didn't care. We just wanted to play some games. Yep. Well, what, you've, you've seen what the historical game. gamers have never have never ever lost is they don't care if a battle is fair. They're just there to fight the battle. Well, and really, in actual, do you really want to have the same amount of guys as the other guy? You would want to have more. Exactly. Uh, the, other, the other nice thing they've done with Lord of the Rings is they have those campaign books. Mm -hmm. uh, War in Gon or Gondor at War, War in Rohan, Scouring in the Shire. They have special scenarios in there, and they're not all balanced. So I could use, instead of the same stupid 9 or 12 scenarios that you see over and over again, I can go in and use those scenarios 
and okay, there's 600 points of Easterlings and 400 points of Dwarves. Well, in some of their special scenarios, they might say, well, okay, guess what? 100 points of Elves just show up. And all of a sudden, that tips the balance, or the Eagles show up. Right? The Eagles show up, and they start wrecking some fate, or some Ents show up. And he says, wait, 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 what? What do you mean? Don't yeah, be I mean, hasty. Don't be hasty. There's a lot of uh, a lot of cool things that can happen in the story-based games. I think we lost that to an extent. Um, not too many game companies. I mean, heck, it's one of my biggest complaints on Private Press is that they didn't even put goddamn scenarios in there in the third edition War Machine book. Holy smokes! You know? Yeah, that's all based on third-party stuff at that point. They're doing it in-house now, but. It's only tournaments, so I was always like, you know, that's kind of a problem when you can have some cooler... Some of the best scenarios ever have been unbalanced scenarios. If you read Old White Dwarf, they have their version of Zulu, the Battle of uh, Rourke's Drift. The, the, they had a whole article on how they did that. Me and a guy, one holiday weekend, we just did that. I brought orcs, he brought us Praetorians. It was a fucking hoot. Yeah. This is the most fun I had. Was it balanced? Hell no. But... It was just enjoyable and, you know, you just get yourself on the right mindset. Nowadays, we're so so into the must be a fair and balanced, we each have a chance. Like, you don't have to each have a chance. You just have to have proper victory conditions. You know, if you're outnumbered, you get a totally different victory conditions. Maybe you just need to sell your lives dearly. If you do X casualties, maybe that's enough. Like, you, they spent too much resources killing you. It's going to affect them in later battles. I miss that stuff a lot. Narrative campaigns can be a lot of fun. It's keeping mm -hmm. them going is where it takes a while to do. They're yeah, and it's a lot of hard. work to get them going when you can just... I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good balanced game. Yeah. Because no. you get a good balanced game, it could be a hoot. But I, I want to explore more of that. Um, it's why I like, say, Marvel Crisis Protocols and their, uh, their cosmic encounters, you know, like the Thanos, the Dormammu, or the... Uh, the Hulk stuff they ultimate. do in the stores, the Hulk, the Carnage one, the, the Symbiote one, those are all interesting ways to play, and I want to do more of those because they can be a hoot. It's not all about fair; it's about just having a good time. And I think if we get back to that, it, if we can get a couple companies to start doing that more and people into it, it'll build back to where it was. I mean, can you remember the heyday of 40k when I started? They would have just campaign packs like these. Campaign pack is just you know, Dark Angels versus Orcs. Cool. If I don't have Dark Angels or Orcs, suddenly I want to pick up Dark Angels or Orcs. I mean... I, I just thought it would it would increase the tension level where you're... Because the War of the Ring board game, I've seen the good side win a military victory, which is, you would think is impossible, but they can, because literally the evil arm, which are at the gates of every town... They just they don't have the, the proper action dice or cards or whatever to just press that assault and good somehow manages to sneak out a victory or I've seen you know, I've seen the hobbits die on the slopes of Mount Doom. I've seen them get slaughtered in Moria or just in the middle of the the, the Shire or whatever. It every basically every place you can you can fight everywhere. Uh, because and most people, they, they think of the movies, right, where it's all about Minas Tirith, Pelennor Fields. No, there was a huge assault going on at Erebor. The Easterlings, that's where they were. Mm -hmm. was, and they were still fighting after the ring was destroyed. Well, that's replicated in the War of the Ring board game. And I thought, gee whiz, if I could bring some of that, that intensity and mystery to a game of 
middle or strategy battle game. Almost like using a game of Battlefleet Gothic to maybe do a, a smaller than 40k battle mm-hmm. or something like that is along those lines or uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be with AOS or something like that or or with song I, I guess I don't know I guess you could do something like that with song yeah it's just, it's a matter of someone get, taking the time to figure out what they want to do and make it make it work you know because you can write the simplest darn uh, you know campaigns um, even just the old, I miss the old hex tiles that GW made, you know, for uh, Fantasy and 40K to do campaigns. We played that, and not every game was balanced, but we still had a hoot. Because the thing is, if it's unbalanced one place, it's probably unbalanced the other way in another area. Oh, you know? I think it's called Hexton Hills. They have unbelievably detailed hex tiles that all interlock together. Like, oh, what the heck was those called? They came out in about 2008 or something like that, maybe. Those plastic it's tiles that are all linked Hexton together. Hills. So, yeah, the Hexton Hills, I really... Uh, I have a few of those that someone printed out for me. And the detail on the towns and the, the landscapes is unbelievable. Oh, that's super cool. I mean... Yeah, because uh, we actually played a lot of that with the GW ones. Actually, what I'd do is I'd hand a, set of, uh, 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 a tile sprue to each player and go, All right, paint this. And they'd paint it up. They'd all use similar-ish colors. They'd put them all together. We had a giant map. It was super cool. It, it looks fantastic. And, of course, uh, you can put different types of resource centers or whatever, right, on each tile because that's a separate thing. It, it, there, you have the tile itself that has sort of the landscape. And uh, I was looking forward to actually doing different terrain, like literally Dead Marshes terrain in case that's where you're fighting or if you're fighting in the ash wastes around Mordor, or if you're fighting in the Shire, or in Lothlorien. So I was trying to make as many different environments as I could just to reflect the game itself, right? where you're trying to fight all over Middle-earth instead of just, oh look, here's fighting in Edoras. Again, it's what we do every week. Instead of trying to take over the world, we just fight in Edoras again with Isengard with Urukai versus Rohan again. But it's just, uh, especially since they took the trope of doing all the legendary legions and creating all that variety, now it, it's 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 almost like it's quadrupled the amount of armies that you can even play in the game. So why not uh, take advantage of that? And 3D printing means that I don't need to buy any of the miniatures. Yeah. I can just print as many or as few as I need, whatever faction. But I went from having no dwarves to infinite amount of dwarves. Yep. My, my favorite texture roller is the dwarf texture roller uh, from Green Stuff World. I thought I was never ever going to use this because I had no dwarf armies until I said, oh, this is perfect for Moria. Yeah. My, my, my Moria Fellowship is based on it. My my uh, board, or sorry, my Moria Goblins are. Casadoom dwarves are all based on that. That same texture roller. And it's going to be really sensational having those guys fighting against each other. Awesome. Sorry to go on a soliloquy there. No, it's, no, it's all good, man. It's 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 a lot of good topics out there for, for what we're talking about. I mean, you know, maybe we inspire someone who's listening to make their own cool campaign. Like I told Gonzo beforehand, we're going to do a Marvel Crisis Protocol draft campaign, just a short, you know, couple-month campaign starting next week. So that'll be cool, you know, just fun different stuff so we're not all playing the same quote-unquote meta stuff not that most of us do we play what we want 
but you know it'll be interesting uh you know and i know one of the guys has a cool infinity stone thing where you're not you can't buy the infinity stones like you normally would you might fight over them or something like that i think that could be cool i just want to play some fun stuff uh buoy who may or may not still be in the chat room actually ran the hulk ultimate encounter for us a bit and we played a uh, a day of that it was interesting to play so i just want to get back to a little bit more of that here or there because i think that's what we uh what we miss in games sometimes you know we get so focused on the balance and you know even and fair and we miss out on the more important f word which is fun that that's just what i don't see in a lot of games anymore because it's just so much and i don't want to you know knock on tournaments i would love to do a lord of the rings tournament i would love to be able to do that but <clears throat> mostly just to show people that God, you don't have to just do that meta it's not about having that number of guys you can the game was designed to be able to where you know an army of hobbits could beat a whole bunch of urukai or something like that mm-hmm. somehow some way whether it's traps or sneaky things or whatever, there was supposed to be a way for them to do it instead of just, well, never take hobbits. That, that's the current, you, you literally only see the same three or four armies over and over again. <clears throat> yeah, the, the whole metagaming, like the internet's great for a lot of things. Uh, for miniature gaming, it is somewhat degenerate to a point because it's easier to fall in the, what is the most meta to take? You know, you're playing, it happens in any game. You know, there is, quote-unquote, good and bad units to play in every game. And people will find the best. You know, when we're playing Star Wars Legion, it's like, oh, you have to have X activations or you're going to lose. And I'm like, fuck that. I just want to play what I want to play. If I want to play, you know, Chewbacca with Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, and spend all my points and still not have a leader, fuck, that's my choice. You know, have a fun time. That's why I like a lot of these games where they're internal they're already they're already set up quote unquote fairish so you can do the things you want within that um or when they throw extra stuff like i miss the old x-wing old x-wing the box that came with scenarios then all of the bigger boxes the millennium falcon and all those would come with a couple more scenarios me and uh, my buddy marshall well, you know chris marshall uh played a bunch of that one night and just had a fucking great time with it just random scenarios were they fair not always did it matter no it was a great time i suppose the other thing that i kind of wish was done a little bit more is game stability i just keep thinking a song of ice and fire where there, there's 20 different permutations of the cards out there because so guys like Varus have literally changed 20 different times and i, I just uh, i know that they came out with a new set of cards but will they still be good even a year from now? Because there will be other tweaks and changes now that there's so many units out there. Yeah. And obviously, 40K and AOS, they go through a, they go through some changes, too. Twice rapidly. a year. Someone joked and said it's like a, like a, having a, uh, a subscription you know, to them now. You got your, you know, you're going to be spending, what, about 80 bucks a year on your Age of Sigmar and 40K just to get the General's Compendium slash... Uh, chapter approved so yep. you can keep up to the end of the balance and then buy the and new models thought, that went from poor yep. to good yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting you know it's it's an interesting idea from a sales standpoint um but i i do think that it's too much i think yearly updates is even maybe too much but probably okay i mean you you're gonna have your emergency updates when someone accidentally found that broken shit you didn't you didn't find 
mm-hmm. type thing. But I mean, that's just the nature of the game. But also, sometimes is it not worth it to let the broken shit sit for a little bit? If you're not, quote-unquote, a fucking tournament game, not like Correct. a War Machine Awards, let it sit for a little bit and see what the meta does with it. Now, sure, if everyone plays just the broken shit, then you can fix it. Yeah. But maybe the meta finds a way around. Like, there's some shenanigans with some of the new stuff for Marvel Crisis Protocol, but we talked about it, and someone made a good point. Like, it's a really corner case, and does it even win you the game? And I'm like, fair. You know? I'd rather see something go and not overreact to it, but is what it is, I guess. What was the, oh, the Armada ships. Yeah, Armada's been out for a while. They've got five or six fleets, and I'm wondering, is the rule system still pretty much the same as when that came out, now that it's been out a little while, or is it is it about to change again, or is it one of those things where they'll just kind of say, well, maybe this is a little more powerful than this other thing, but just, well, I don't want to say deal with it, but they're not going to be doing a lot of changes to it constantly. Yeah. It would just be nice if the, the game that you got was still that same game a year later. Yeah, least. I mean, I agree, 100%. I mean, if you look at, say, I, I can only look speak from, like, a Marvel Crisis Protocol and Malifaux standpoint, since it's the only games I really follow for the most part. A little bit of Star Wars Legion. And they do maybe yearly updates. Like, we just now got a Marvel Crisis Protocol update from guys in the course that's been out since pre-fucking... Uh, covid so i mean i felt like that was a good run they said okay this is definitely not balanced we need to do something with a couple of these characters people are complaining they aren't good enough but on the other side they they from my main list i played for a while my avengers list they changed at least three of the core characters i played almost all the time and i'm like i thought they were pretty good and you went and upped them a lot and suddenly i think they're fucking great so i mean do you, do you refresh a game just to keep it because the top tier quote unquote players say it's busted or do you just actually wait and see if it actually is busted there was oh there used to be a well speaking of war of the ring i think it was called war of the ring it was, well i mean you know you would know better than me when gw did that it was oh, basically yeah. you know they, they had the movement trays with yeah. the inserts right and that was super popular and someone that one of the employees was going to show us the game and then we said, hey, could you show us that game? And he said, what game? And it, it, it died that quick because some broken thing, I guess, was discovered and they just didn't fix it. I don't know what the deal was, but that just went away and never came back. I know he's not listening, but thanks, Scooter, fucker. <laughs> Scooter uh, is one of the, my local guys, and literally he, he loved it, and he went, and he's that kind of guy. He went, and he's... One of the most fun guys you'll ever play. You will have a hoot if you play Scooter, even if he fucking rolls you. But he just went in and he just broke, he showed it, and he just basically broke the game with how he did it. And it went from being a big deal to going away that quickly. So it wasn't just me imagining that it just it literally vaporized. Yep, overnight. it vaporized basically overnight, yep. As you know, once it gets on the internet and gets around, everyone knows it. And if it's all broken, no one's going to play anything in that because they really want to just win. Uh, I actually don't want to win so much as I want to have fun. Like, I don't rage because I'm losing. I rage because it's fucking not fun. Yeah, I, I, that's... Uh, I, I know when I was playing the few times I got to play Lord of the Rings, it was I would actually discuss with them, even bolt action. I would say, 
well, okay, here's what I did. What what can you do to counter that? Because I actually learned way more by literally trying to help the opponent overcome what I did. And mm -hmm. we basically, that was, every game became that. It sort of, it takes away the impact of crappy dice rolls because you're, you're both trying to just kind of analyze how could we counter this, that, or the other just to learn mm -hmm. the game that much faster. And that was a really fun way to actually play the game. It was almost like it's two people just moving random chess pieces around on a board just trying to figure out what should each side do together. That was kind yeah. of fun, actually. Yeah, we, we had we have talks. We had talks yesterday playing Marvel Crisis Protocol where it was like, okay, here's my thought for that. And we talk it out. And I'm like, I don't like that because I think you're doing, you know, I think you're being too aggressive or I think you're doing this. And there's not enough, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze in that case. And so we, we do a lot of that. Like, do you see a better move and all that? Because at a certain point, we're just having fun, right? It's not like there's anything on the thing. It's not like we're, we're quote unquote competing. We're just having a friendly pickup game. So talking it through, you know, to where I put it goes, like, you know, by you not, you know, he told me, like, if you kill this model that I converted, you will probably break me mentally. So I didn't go after that model anymore because, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily want to break him mentally, but also I didn't think it was the best move, even if psychologically it would have broken him from the game, you know. We, we do a little talks like that. There's some channels, it's hard for me to watch them because there's it becomes so instinctive doing the competitive stuff that they are intentionally playing what's supposed to be more of a narrative type of a mm -hmm. game and they're they're actually calculating well let's see if i do this then i deny you these two points for me being broken and they're basically calculating not just for that game but they're calculating okay five games total if i get this one extra point and deny the other guy one extra point so they'll just sit there and not do anything yeah because that way they don't lose that one extra point and but they're not playing a tournament they were just supposed to be playing a fun game. Yeah, we had that talk. I'm like, you know, uh, end of the game, we're on what ended up being the last turn. I'm like, I'm not going to run away with Sabretooth, even though I could, uh, to just score the two points to win because that's not my way. I'm going to go in and I'm going to fight with him, you know, because that's what I would do. You know, you could... It's a problem you have with some objective-based games. Sometimes people get the objectives and they run. There's a guy who, after a big Marvel tournament, said... I'm happy if I never have to roll attack or defense dice against my opponent ever the entire game. Twitch, at that point, I realized that motherfucker should not be playing the game. He doesn't get it. Yep. But anyways. And, and I've seen that more and more and more. And I just kind of worry that it would overall kill the game, right? Because it, mm -hmm. even even hardcore tournament players they might just get <clears throat> bored and just stop watching a video two turns in because they know already what's going to happen. Yep. I've done that. I've seen things. I'm like, you know, if it goes too much, I like to call them tryhards <laughs> because rather than being actually good at the game, they're trying hard to be good at the game. You know, yep. it's, it, they, they want to take all the best stuff they need to win. Um, that's why I love my group. We don't have any tryhards, you know, we, we play sometimes we'll joke each other. Oh, you got to take that crutch. You know, jokingly, but it, I just want to get away. We, we need to get back to the fun. I mean, I, I have apologized to some of my friends a couple of times because we'll get games going poorly and I'll fucking just eject from a game because I'm like, I am not having fun. The dice are so skewed. You're going to win this and it's just going to be another hour of me getting my ass whooped and getting saltier. You know, I make that clear to them. I'm like, this isn't your fault. 
this is the situation. I'm not angry at you. You're just playing what you brought. It's fine. I'm just not having fun. It might be different, too, if you're able to play all the time, whenever you want. But yes. when your schedule is as busy as yours, and getting that one time to play yep. is a very rare occasion, and it goes that way. You play one game a week, and you're like, ah! <laughs> it's, it's like every single one of those bad dice rolls, or the endless sixes on the other side, you're like, I waited all week for this? Is this what I waited for? Yeah, it's you got to get a right mindset for it, because I had that little bit of that in this last game I played uh, yesterday. Like, the early on, my opponent's dice were just fucking on fire, and mine were not. And I'm like, oh. But I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm not going to get upset. So I stuck with it and turned it all around. So that was good. But it's tough to do. And yeah, Brett Captain Mizzy, ain't no one got time for unfun. And, and I've seen, well, then there's the, the folks that can't turn it off, right? They're, they're just, they're so competitive. They, they actually are trying to play a more friendly game, but then just something clicks in. It's like you see that look. At, it's like, uh, what's his name, Bilbo, right? When he sees the ring in the movie and all of a yep. sudden his face turns into demon face or whatever, it's like they just turn into that all of a sudden. I, I have that problem when I start to get salty and I just focus on objectives. And I'm just... I'm not, not having fun. I'm just like, okay, problems. I have problems I need to solve. I go to that. It could be the last turn of the game, and I'm up, you know, 14 to 4, like that game. And I'm not thinking that. I'm just like, it's a Rube Goldberg puzzle I have to solve at this point because I have went into problem solving to keep myself from getting upset. Uh, and sometimes that ends up poorly. Sometimes it doesn't, you know. I've had, you know, Bowie go, John, you've won this game. I'm like, okay, I wasn't even thinking of that. I just saw problems to solve. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, it's nothing personal. So, like my opponent said, like, do you want to continue the game? I'm like, no, no. I, it's 14 to 4. You've got two guys who are dazed left. I have my entire crew left. Uh, do you want to, or the days have flipped, do you want to continue? And he's like, yeah, I want to see what this guy can do. Cool, let's go then. You know, it's it's a lot more. We need to talk more with our opponents and make sure we know what we're doing, especially in just friendly settings. Yeah, especially in those because, it, well, it's a, it is ultimately about a community. Games, I would think, need some form of community to survive. Now, now maybe if it's a certain GW game, it can survive just by sheer weight of whatever. Yes. But the vast majority of games, they are going to need a community to, to mm-hmm. have any sort of longevity. Yep. yep. Well, this has been a lot of conversation, but I think I was waiting <laughs> to put us to media section so you can talk about the 17,000 things you watched this week. What? Only 17,001. All right, Jim, do you, have a, do you have one of those completely done? Yep. Can you show, show what, where, where you're going? Where it's going. Yeah. So we're going to be finishing uh, off the, the freehand over here, right? Got to get the yellow in there, uh-huh. uh, a little bit more of the magenta on that. Obviously, you got to go in and get some more lights on the blues here on his little head crest there. Also, want to finish off some of the decor around this little symbol that I put on the back of the horse there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit lighter on the magenta here over on his uh, tunic right there. And then some extra uh, brights on the, the spear shaft and the, the spear point there. And I think we're pretty good now on the on the base. Yeah, we're pretty good there now. And I think the horse pretty much, it's just a, some odds and ends. I think we're going to have to do a little bit of a blade right here, too. Uh, yeah, see, kind of like his little dagger right there. So I'll have to do that as well on his belt and 
probably some stuff on his boots. I'll be probably mostly working on this little bit of freehand here next as we talk about media. Well, before that, we need to run the raffle there, Gonzo. Yep. Um, and also, Jim, um, these are all done with oils, correct? All done with the oils. Yeah. You and I need to get a conversation going about that because I want to I want to test that out, and I have no clue where to get that stuff. And so I'll have to do it. So let's go and get this raffle done with. Let me go to it. We're going to close the entries last minute. Da, 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 da. Close entries. We're going to pick a winner. Ready? Uh, where's my drum roll? And the winner is... <laughs> Bleaker Dragon! Not oh. even here. Oh, well, she asked if she could win if not being yeah. here, so... Yeah, which is okay. This has been the points. That's okay. And I, I can get a hold of Bleaker Dragon at any time. Uh, congratulations, oh, no. Bleaker Dragon. You have a $50 gift certificate to Turbo Dorks. Uh, we will give away one more next month. Uh, they gave us three to give away. So don't fret come back we will give you at least you know a week or so heads up when we're going to do that and you can um you can get in on that and check out all their cool stuff that they have so other than that let's go and switch it over to the media section type thing so uh jim i know that you you know you probably heard us our our schedule or our rating systems that we have not scheduled uh rating system goes from casablanca being the best movie Cats being the worst, and then of course the, you know, what uh, I would say, you know, our our typical scale is zero to five space herpes, type thing. So you know, zero space herpes being the best, and five space herpes being the worst. So being the special guest, you get the first thing. So tell us one thing that you watched, and uh, how you rated it. I'm trying to figure out what how I should rate the third season of The Boys. Should it get should it be Casablas? Should it be you know one and a half space herpes? It's there's parts where you where you think okay this this there's there's some riveting stuff going on here, and then there's parts where oh look did they just is this like the old 1980s Battlestar Galactica where they used the same fight scene for the twelfth time because they were trying to save money. Uh, it's it just it's one of those things where sometimes they're they're doing really well and then it's just okay this this is the same story just over and over again and then there's sometimes it there's a little bit of a draggy type thing and then there's intensity and i just don't know like i think the first season was very interesting the second season was hmm, and then this third one i just i'm i'm kind of on the fence is it actually good is it because it's been so long shock since value? there's uh there's a lot of obviously the gratuitous you know body parts being blown to smithereens all over the place there's just there's so much backstabbing and betrayal on top of backstabbing and betrayal it's like is this you know game of thrones to heroes it's like is it supposed to be is every episode a red wedding or something like that <laughs> wow. and literally every episode is it's like, does there have to be some big betrayal at the end of every single episode? And, you know, are they being a little bit too obvious? I don't want to give anything away, of course. Spoiler alerts. I'm trying to avoid that. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm a little leery, mostly because I'm thinking about the Amazon series that starts in September. And between The Expanse having seasons that were wildly terrible and wildly good, I'm wondering, is that also going to happen with Lord of the Rings? Because it's kind of happened with this show, too, The Boys. 
where first season, wow, it was diabolical. And then it went from uh, diabolical to uh, the same old, same old. And then this season is kind of, ooh, it, it was kind of diabolical. <laughs> it's like sometimes yay and sometimes oof. And uh, I, I don't know. You know are they, is there really going to be some kind of exciting finish here? Or is it just the same same thing over and over again? Oh, I man. don't know. I haven't determined that yet. Well, I mean, I, I've been watching this one and watch it every Friday. Um, I'm enjoying this one, but this one seems like it's coming, like, this is the, and I said it on the last week, this is where we're coming to the top of the story, and, like, season four is going to be the wrap-up. I can see season four being the wrap-up and it being done. I mean, because you don't want to push this so far that you jump in the shark. But, yeah, there's, this one just constantly, because you're like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen? Oh, fuck, is he, who's he going to kill? Is he going to get pissed off because, you know... You know, Homelander now has the ability that he's like, I am the strongest and baddest person in the world. Don't fuck with me this season or I will kill you. And so it's it's coming up that it, this seems like the ending of the series. This is like the the hill. And then after this season, it'll be, you know, the wrapping up of the series, which would be good. I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, it, it, this we're seeing a little bit of character development. We're seeing changes in the characters. Uh, and we realize it's not going to spoil, but definitely there's some crazy stuff going on. I don't know if it's how long this is going to last. Cause this is going to, this is going to be a different season. Uh, we're about what halfway through. Cause I think, uh, we only have eight episodes. So I think we're about halfway through the season. Cause the expanse was only six episodes that six season. Yeah. And it had been 10. And the weird thing is, is they told more story in those six episodes than the previous 20. Oh, yeah. So, so what the heck is going on? So I, I wonder, is uh, you know, is that the same thing that's going to happen with the boys where all of a sudden they, oh, geez, we only got two episodes left to wrap this up. Boom. Yeah, I'd be interested because, like I said, we're about halfway through. I think we're over halfway through. I think we're on episode five. Uh, and I think there's only eight. So we don't, we don't have much longer. So we'll have to see. So, what, what, how many space harpies do you, do you give it? Uh, we'll go two. Okay. Two seems fair. Yeah. From what uh, I've heard, I mean, let's see. You're either going to really love it or really hate it. You're one of the rare few who are sort of in the middle, like teetering on the edge. Um. Let's see. I'll go with one of mine. I started the new season for all mankind, and for all mankind is, of course, the alternate timeline history of the space race. Uh, season three started up, and so working through that. And in this season, they're now fighting on their way to go to Mars. Um, and so it's, I thought it was going to be between, from the trailers, it was going to be Russia, Japan, and America. And it's actually Russia, America, and a private company, like a SpaceX type company, uh, racing to Mars. Um, and kind of pushing that, that boundary again. Um, it starts off kind of weird and kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I like this season or not because we're now getting into, you know, science fiction that is croaching on past what we've, we are, we are doing right now type thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, getting that, that fiction part and that fantasy part, I guess you could say. Going full into science fiction. Yeah. And so I'm not sure. Cause I mean, they've already saying that like, they're going to go to Mars in like two or three years in 
their entire series, you know, their entire season is a span of, you know, 10 years. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I still like it. It's still fun. Um, one of the best uh, shows on TV right now. Uh, it only comes on every Friday now. So, you know, I've got to wait for it. It's okay. Uh, not going to give it. I will give season one and two. I can give the ratings for that since I've seen it all. Season one, I would probably give that like a half to a one space herpes because it does kind of throw you off because all of the stuff is, you know, the alternate history and alternate timeline. So it kind of throws you off a little bit, but eventually you get into it. Season two, um, I give it about the same thing, about a half to a one because there's just some characters you just don't care about. You're just like, eh, this is kind of, I, I see why they're doing this. Eh, okay. Yeah, whatever. But it's been fun. Better than most of it on TV right now anyway. So, I'll go with it. John, what you got? Uh, well, we're going to talk about something together, and I didn't get to watch much else this week, but I did start watching a new TikTok slash YouTube channel I watch on YouTube called The Fat Electrician. He's been <laughs> around for a while, and he basically talks about military stuff, and he's just hilarious. It's all TikTok length, three minutes, you know, not huge production mm-hmm. value, but it's a hoot to hear him talk about stuff, uh, military stuff. He's you know, sort of keeping it real on that. And it's, it's just a fun little channel to, to watch. I suggest giving it a, a shot. You know, three-minute videos is a great... You're sitting there for a moment, just click on a video, watch it, mm-hmm. and just hear him talk about the uh, American unhealth care system and such. He's... Uh, it's it's very funny. Yeah, don't mess with Doc. There's a lot of fun videos he calls, calls back to... Uh, and it's just good to get those little bite-sized humor notes. And he's never been not funny. He's every time he's funny, all sorts of tough stuff. And just the the genuine way he obviously is respecting the military. He was in the military. And just the irreverent way he talks about stuff uh, while still respecting all the military is great. So give that a shot. The Fat Electrician. YouTube. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> Jim, what you got? Uh, well, uh, one of the things I saw was for something that's coming up in 2024, and that is the War of the Rohirrim animated movie. Most of the crew that's doing that is pretty much the same as the original trilogy, right down to, well, Miranda Otto, who's going to be doing the narration of that. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, it made me wish that the Amazon show was actually an animated thing because you could literally draw the characters however you wanted mm-hmm. instead of trying to match a person to the look or something like that. And I was just, I wondered, boy, could there just have not been all this crazy controversy if it had just been animated? Uh, well, in a cynical sort of way, I'm kind of happy they didn't animate it and they got this controversy so I can pick out the racist motherfuckers so I know who... Uh, <laughs> To keep away from. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's okay. Look, they've been recasting people and casting people as whatever they want for a while now. You're going to have to get used Batman. to it. <laughs> Batman. Whatever. I mean, they're Spider-Man. talking about doing all sorts of random stuff. It, it's okay. I mean, I like the idea of it animated, but I'll be honest. Every time I've been excited for animated fantasy stuff, it ended up being the Dragonlance animation. Yeah. Which I'm not going to say is terrible. But it's also not like 
even in the remote ballpark of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Which is still, I... somehow, 20 years later, still the motherfucking gold standard. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not even sure necessarily if are they going for that more realistic style of animation? Are they going full on Archer style of animation? What the style are they going for? I don't think they've really talked about that so far. I, yeah, I we'll get some seen... previews before there, but yeah, I, I imagine not the Archer style. That's very, but who knows? They might have a specific quote unquote style for that. Yeah. Hopefully not. It... I wouldn't care for the Archer style. I just, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, of course, unfortunately, it's, as a movie, it's, you're not going to get as much. You know, it, it's going to take a long time in between movies, and maybe that's that's the only reason they can do this is because it is going to be every couple of years, something like that. I just yeah. thought if it's if it's animated and you don't have to build sets, mm-hmm. it just it opens up a lot of parameters story wise that maybe you just couldn't do because uh, CGI is CGI. It's weird. CJ is so much better now than it ever was, but it's so overused that it's almost it's easier to spot now. Yeah, yeah. especially we'll if it's done the, bad. We'll look at the Hobbit trilogy versus Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. If you put a gun to my head, having never seen them, I would swear that the Lord of the Rings trilogy was done after the Hobbit trilogy because it seems so much better, quote unquote, quality because they just use practical effects whenever possible. When really it's the opposite, and The Hobbit is you know much newer, but they use a lot of CGI, and I understand why it's expensive to do all that practical stuff. But man, it looks so good. Now I just I thought, well, you know, the animated thing you can literally make up the world, yeah. But you don't have to. Well, Azog, you know, uh, he really I think that guy, he doesn't look any more real in the movie than this guy does. I mean, nope. literally, he looks as fake as this, if not more fake. <laughs> it, there's just no... You would be better, better off in a guy in an Azog suit, you know, yep. like Lurtz, because or, Lurtz was a dude. Yep. Just use the, the... It's better to take the CGI and use it to touch up where it gets a little bit weird. I mean, let's be honest, for all we Marvel does, even the Iron Man suit is, like, as much practical as they can make and have Robert Downey Jr., you know, move in it, and they add CGI to it. Which I think is a great idea. Yep. But I mean, that's a lot of money. Marvel's got all the money to throw out whatever they want because Marvel. I think the only reason I'm so worried is that what happened with that eighth season of Game of Thrones and it turned everybody against like the show universe. Oh yeah. And I just I would hate for all of a sudden now nobody wants to see anything Lord of the Rings again because something went sideways. Um, I don't. I think since that's out there as a learning, I don't think anyone's going to do that. I mean, Lord of the Rings can be, I mean, it's 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 potentially a license to rent money. We're so want good fantasy content uh, because it's so hard. It's just hit or miss on good on fantasy content. We get some good stuff and then nothing shows up for a while, and then we get fucking Aragon, and we're like, because eh. <laughs> uh, just even talking or about Wheel of Time. Like that that sixth season, I was I was almost about to just not bother watching it because I really did not like that fifth season at all. And then I just I couldn't believe how captivated I was after basically two seasons of kind of blah, if not ugh. And it's like wait, the same people that did those seasons did this? How is that possible? Yeah, it's it's crazy. And nowadays, it's getting even worse. I mean, back then, there wasn't as much fighting for your your time. Now, 
there's so many things fighting for your time just from a TV streaming standpoint. If you don't grab somebody, you're just probably not going to get people to see that as much. Yep. I, I can see it on Twitch. Like when I'm streaming, I'll see really talented painters with just a couple of people. And I say, wow, well, the heck is this possible? But it, it's, it, it's a, there are certain skills that are needed or at least certain experiences like for me i was doing live demos of watercolors in the 90s so it's it's no different doing those you have people in the room you've got to keep entertained horrified whatever <laughs> the twitch stream is no different but for the average person that's really not what their their life experience is so i can mm-hmm. imagine just how difficult it can be for someone who wants to stream but do it beyond just well i want to hang out with my friends on stream kind of like a painting hangout via well twitch Mm-hmm. And, and that is only going to draw in so many folks. And as I feel bad sometimes for folks that are really good at, you know, what they do, but it's it's tough for them to get the eyeballs. And I can only imagine it's the same thing with with the TV shows with the streaming stuff now. Mm-hmm. It's all fighting for your time, your precious free time. They want to be what you go to for uh, your spending time. So yeah, that War of the Room, that actually looks interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes out. Um, Gonzo, you got a million more things. What you got? Um, I wanted to say that I started watching The Orville because it came back and it's on Hulu. I think I'm done watching it. Um, oh. they're, they're trying to be Star Trek when they shouldn't be. They've taken away the funny out of the show. And it kind of upset me. I was like, where I haven't... Three episodes in, nothing. Not a laugh, so not a joke. Funny, not even a that joke. You say that that because uh, the rumor has it. I've talked to people about the Orville because I never watched it because every clip I saw early was that moronic humor that I have no fucking time for. Correct. And they're pretty sure that really he wanted to make basically Star Trek originally, but he knew the only way someone would buy his show was to make it funny. So I think now that he's got more control. He's doing what he wanted, which turns out to not be what everyone else really wanted. Correct. I wanted a comedy slapstick, you know, silly Star Trek thing. Like the first few seasons. Um, and then into that one, into the last season, it, it got a little serious, but I understood it. They were ending a story. I get it. But there still was that, you know, that comedy. Now, there's not a single joke being said. Like the biggest joke he said at one point was, may the force be with you. I'm like, yeah, here's the thing. You're not going to be able to compete with Star Trek now. Strange New Worlds just blows your show out of the water. So you need to go back to the funny. And I think I'm done. I'm like, it's, and I think the show is done too, because I don't think there's much more in it right now. My big thing on uh, humor with that is if you can't hit the perfect sweet spot that Galaxy Quest hit, and by the previews, they didn't hit that. They they, they blew past it into stupidity. Yeah. There was no way I was going to watch it. I'm more likely to watch it now, but why would I when I got Strange New Worlds? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I have a better Star Trek now. <laughs> Which I'm not caught up on, but I will catch up on tomorrow yeah. since I have the day off Sorry. and all. Uh, but, because, I mean, it's just such good quality. But um, I did watch that, so... Uh... 
Other than that, uh, let's talk about the one you and I both watched. Well, it's got to be Obi-Wan. Oh, of course it was Obi-Wan. Um, I didn't get through all of Miss Marvel, and that's no fault against Miss Marvel. I watch it in little chunks while I'm doing stuff because I don't like high school drama. But to put <laughs> it on the record, I feel like it is a very high quality if you can if you like that stuff. But I have to take that stuff in small doses. Yeah, I didn't have any problems so, with Miss Marvel. No, it's just it's good quality. Uh, Obi-Wan, uh, well, that was a fucking episode. <laughs> um, we, we won't spoil it, Legionnaires. Yeah, no, spo- no spoilers. No, no spoilers spoil. yet. We won't spoil it. We won't spoil anything until the season's over. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Um, I did have a couple problems with it, but they were all just the minorest of nitpicks afterwards. Nitpicks. Yes, it was fun. Um, I am getting a little sick of Space Wizard uh, escalation, which is a problem I've had for a while. That one but, scene has been done before, though, quite a while back. I know. Yeah. In a video game, I know. Yeah. But I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. In the moment, it's fucking awesome. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. But when you sit back and think, you're like, that's a little much and hard to explain. Like, the thing is, I know you can explain all those things if you go into it, but you know, having to explain everything afterwards is not necessarily good. So I can know the explanation of, of it being that he was so angry he was able to use that much of the force like that. Yeah. But it's hard to tell with a character like Darth Vader because he's no just Darth Vader. Facial expressions. Yeah, no, no expressions. Yeah, no expressions. So, but no, it was very good. I, I liked the quote-unquote twist they did. Uh, the feels got you just enough of the feels. You knew it was probably going to happen, but you got a little bit of the feels there. Uh, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed the crap out of it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Thought it was great. Having a blast. Um, it's probably the best episode of the series. Yeah, especially one of the be- and the coolest yeah. type thing. Um, there was something that somebody said um, that made me really think about it. And the less you use Darth Vader, the more sinister and deadly he is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That third episode when he was walking around doing that stuff, yeah, I thought he was less scary for it. Yeah. And now I think, oh, you know, he's pretty scary because they didn't use him too much. They used him just enough, I felt like. this. Yeah. They did the sweet spot. And let's be fair, Disney may have done a model. You may think Disney have done a, done a lot of things wrong with Star Wars. Misused Darth Vader is not one of them. <laughs> uh, and Hayden Christensen was in the episode. You know, it's a little spoiler, but we knew he was in the fucking series. And I dig that. I actually like that they didn't try to de-age him. No. They just said, fuck it. And I'm fine with that. I, I'm 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 happy to see him getting some love from the fans after the revisionist hating all of the prequels. Let's be honest, the prequels aren't as good as the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy, in my opinion. Yeah. And but they got way more hate than they should have at a certain point. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see him getting some love now. We only have one episode left. Yep, one episode. So good we'll, see where, we'll see where it goes. Give me some more uh, time to watch something else. I got to catch up on so many things. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much about our time, Jim. We want to really, really thank you for coming on and hanging out with us. You know, you're always welcome. Uh, uh, Mods, make sure you give um, Jim's uh, Twitch channel a shout out, um, and so everybody can find him, like they don't know already. But we like to do just that. in case. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Um, Go check out his stuff. I mean, you're one of my favorite painters. I love watching you paint because it's you've taken like I said, you take a model from Prime, 
to you know winning major awards in 30 minutes and it just well, yeah like... so you started that right when you when you jumped in on the call with us you know so it's been about uh two and a half hours with the other stuff you've been doing and it's already at well beyond tabletop quality oh yeah it's, it's amazing God. it's amazing well, thanks guys... for having me on I'll, I'll try and make sure that i always have some kind of media stuff <laughs> to get back to getting some more media stuff that means trying to make the time for it yeah guys we appreciate you coming on we appreciate you hanging out with us all the time uh it's always a blast uh we're gonna send you out to vlieger dragon and y'all can go over there and harass her and give her a hard time uh for not being here but still winning the uh raffle Um, she did ask before entering she did and there's nothing wrong with that she spent her points not a big deal um Please, please, please take care of yourself. Look after each other. If you see something going on, say something. Um, just look after each other more than anything else. For more than and dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. Say, I'm Jim. I'm Jim. Or other <laughs> Kathy. Or <laughs> other Kathy. <laughs> Good night. Great incoming. I mean, I'm already watching her stream also.